have your sports curiosity cured. Sign free agent Alex Carpenter and she'll take the draw on New York. Wins at Shelton with her stick on that and she gets it! Ella Shelton scores! History is hers! The first goal of the Professional Women's Hockey League, Ella Shelton. A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Steps that block up and then gets big yards. Three Michigan tight ends in the ball game. They handed to Corum again and makes the cut. First down. Spinston scores. Blake Corum puts Michigan on top in overtime. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. It's Deneau. The Kings come up with the puck. Roy was protecting the Oilers. Get it back. With David and Dreisaitl together. One-timer. And Dreisaitl score. Tie game. Late in the second period. The Oilers dynamic duo. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Here we go for Saul 81, January 2nd. Happy New Year, happy New Year, happy New Year. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season and uh, we're back ready to roll for 2024. Kind of sounds weird. Every time you change the year, doesn't it sound weird? 2024, here we go. Uh, Big night in town, big morning across the country. Canada up against Czech if you want to say Czechia, don't say that to Ladislav Schmid. He don't like it. Not do, uh, And a lot of his countrymen don't like it either, and countrywomen. Uh, Czech up on Canada, one nothing in the quarterfinals at the World Junior Hockey Championship so far in the first period. Canada down early, and uh, the one quarterfinal is in the books. Uh, Finland just defeated Slovakia by a score of 4-3 to three in overtime. So the Finns maybe gaining a little momentum at the tournament. Uh, Canada will have to come from behind and also, I believe just a penalty shot uh, was awarded to Czech and Canadian goaltender Russo with a save on the penalty shot. So, so far, not so good for Canada at the World Juniors in the quarterfinals. We'll have to pick it up to move on to the semifinals. And, you know, if Canada doesn't make it to the semifinals, it is just... Oh, it's just a devastating blow uh, to the program because everyone expects Canada to a minimum, minimum, get to the uh, semifinals. Uh, text line is open, one 1440 As we mentioned, the Oilers back in action tonight. Home to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Flyers come in with a pretty good mark, 19-12-5. But the Oilers on a five-game winning streak, thanks to three big wins on the road. Uh, now 18-15-1. And, and basically, if you look at what the Oilers' record is right now compared to the last couple of seasons, it's almost identical. It's After that terrible start, thanks to an eight-game winning streak and a five-game winning streak, Oilers are kind of back in business. And to be honest... The month of January looks pretty darn good as far as the games, scheduling, time off between games, travel. The Oilers have a pretty good schedule. Philadelphia's here tonight, as mentioned, and then three days off. So the Oilers will have a a day off in there. Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, 
Ottawa Senators here. Then the Oilers go on the road for three in the month of January. Chicago, Detroit, and Montreal spaced out nicely. No back-to-backs, although the Oilers seem to handle back-to-backs nicely, don't they? Then uh, three more the following week, two at home, Toronto and Seattle, and then Calgary in Calgary. So really, they're not going on the road at all after that trip. Calgary's just a quick little jaunt. Three more home games to close it out, Columbus, Chicago, Nashville. These are all very, very winnable games. I mean, every game is winnable the way the Oilers are playing. Uh, the Duke of Delburn came in last week uh, and said that the Oilers would be above 500. And I think you thought that they would be 17-16-1, not 18-15-1. And, and good morning, Duke, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Kevin. Happy New Year to all the uh, great listeners as well. Uh, welcome to 2024 edition of the uh, Sports 1440 programming. Yeah, I don't. I, I, do th- I did not expect a five-game mm-hmm. winning streak. I, I will say that for sure. I thought they'd be kind of 4-1 over this last stretch. Um, I did correctly uh, predicted they would three beat, for the, three. Beat, beat the Kings. Um, I mean, yeah, the game on Sunday wasn't as close as I necessarily hoped for, but uh, thankfully between that and my uh, fantasy football team going down the drain on Sunday Night Football, it made for a uh, not-so-merry uh, end of 2023, <laughs> but we uh, got things back on track once the sports were all done for the night. So, uh, yeah, Oilers are rolling. Uh, Flyers, surprisingly, kind of going to be one of their tougher tests over this uh, most recent mm-hmm. stretch. Uh, you just talked about their uh, surprisingly good record. They've been playing some great uh, great puck. Can't wait to chat about it with uh, we got Frank coming. Up, we'll have uh, Jordan Hall return to the program later on, kind of getting back into the um, usual rhythm of things, I guess. Here, right to, to start off on and a it Tuesday. still feels weird, doesn't it? I mean, it's yes. always weird to figure out what you know what the days are. We came back last week. You guys worked twenty seven hours a day, you and Connor, and uh, come back this week. It still feels a tad bit weird, and maybe it's because there's no snow on the ground. Maybe because of the great temperatures. I did get a text. We were we were uh, talking about it. Terra Pines Golf Course was open still. It is open, I think. Today is the last day. We'll probably hook up with Mark sometime during the show just for a quick little little chat, but it's still open, if you can believe it. Golfing in January in Edmonton. It's crazy to think that. And today I think it's getting a little colder, but yesterday and, and uh, New Year's Eve were just great days. You could have went out there and, and uh, hit the little white ball out in, uh, in January. Uh, PWHL kicked off yesterday. New York beat... Toronto four nothing. Good start for former Alberta Pandas head coach Howie Draper in the Big Apple. And we'll try to get Howie on the show this week. Uh, he was a little busy with uh, travel and, and things this morning, but we'll definitely try to get Howie on to see what he thought of uh, everything. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see the game, Duke. You said you sort of watched it a little bit. It was on at Ricky's Bar and Yeah, Grill. we went for some brunch yesterday to uh, nurse our hangovers that we'd accumulated <laughs> on uh, Sunday night. So it was uh, it was on. We didn't have a great view of it by any stretch, but I mean, hey, it was it's funny because they had the, uh, the Oregon Bowl game on mm-hmm. originally, and I don't know if somebody asked or maybe they just did it um, because that's what maybe the staff were a little more interested in. Um, they changed the channel over mm-hmm. to the game as it was starting. So that's a that's a great sign um, for this, you know, launch of this new women's league. And yes, we've uh, we've kind of talked a little bit about there's a few things we wish they were doing a little bit on the different side with, you know, the logos and the jerseys and getting things yeah. going that way. But the most important thing is the product on the ice. And finally, we get a chance to see the best female players in the world actually playing all in one place against each other and, uh, you know, with something actually on the line. Logos, confusing. 
to me, it, you, it, I mean, to, to me, it looks like the NHL All Star Tournament, where yeah. the jerseys are virtually the same, just with some different uh, lettering and coloring a little bit. Yeah. You know, with very each, very minor team. differences in the colors, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, they gotta have the, that. You have to create your identity, right? That's so, exactly. And like Connor and I talked about it on uh, the Gregor Show at the end of last week. Yeah. Like it's this makes it harder for if because like us at Edmonton we don't have a local team. There's no team out west. The mm-hmm. closest is Minnesota, I think. Like if we're looking to latch onto a team to cheer for, and if uh, if our favorite players from the national team are spread across the league, how do we how do we latch onto a favorite team with with no mascots, no no team names, no jersey schemes, logos, etc. So it, it's. I know it's tough to get things off the ground and up and mm-hmm. running in short order like they kind of did here to be up and running by January 1, but it almost like would have it been worth it to push it off another X period of time to to get some of these things they, they needed, in full swing. They needed to have their ducks in a row a little bit better. Yeah. I, I think that's safe to say. And again, I, I was just talking to uh, Mitchie in, in Camrose about uh, what he, he asked me what I thought. I go, again, I can't, I can't get really excited about it because I don't have someone to cheer for. I don't have that team out here. There isn't that Western Canadian representation. And I understand why I, everyone does because the startup of the league is, is the costs are astronomical. And just to have the travel component when you've got teams in a close quarter, that's one of the key things there. So having said all that, it just for me personally, and, and maybe I'm wrong, I just, it's harder for me to get excited about it. Uh, send us a text, one 1440 Did you watch the game? Did you not? Did do you have that same feeling? Uh, what's your thoughts on the PWHL? And your thoughts on the Oilers uh, coming in to the, I guess you can call it the second half, although the Oilers' schedule is crazy down the stretch. We talked about it in January. It's, you know, I mean, they got 11 games in 26 days this month. So and that's spread out. It's just a perfect schedule. Teams travel, etc. But come April, so you know the Oilers got to put some points in the bank here because come April, it is just a deadly, a deadly schedule going into the playoffs. And hopefully the Oilers can get there. We all think that they will. It, it the the schedule in April is just oh, it can't get any tougher. They play ten games in eighteen days, four games in six nights. And then six games in nine nights to close things out. That, going into the playoffs, is going to be so hard on a team that right now has to have the pedal to the metal. They can't take, you know, you you can't have a little bit of a slump here because, you know, they had it already. So, Oilers uh, in action tonight against Philadelphia. Oilers 18, 15, and 1, 19, 12, and 5. The Flyers. Uh, are you back at work? Are you back at uh, getting back to normal? Shoot us off a text 1 1440. Joey Decord was outstanding yesterday in the outdoor game in Seattle. It was, uh, you know, we've talked to Grant Fear so many times and unfortunately Grant will not be able to make it with us today because he was at the game in Seattle. He's traveling back to uh, Palm Desert today. But Joey Decord, 35 saves. Seattle, 3-0 shutout over uh, Vegas. Uh, Seattle's fifth game in a row. Now, I thought one of the best parts of the game was when the teams arrived. Did you see the, like, okay, so you got Vegas as the Elvises? Yes. And basically, uh, you know, fishmongers, I guess, or whatever you want to call them, yeah. for the Kraken. Those were two of the best that I can remember. Uh, 
and just the, the Elvis is coming off. It just reminds we've seen so many movies, you know, you see the flying Elvises, all that stuff. What do you take of it? I'm I don't know where I stand on some of these like really elaborate getups for these uh these outdoor special edition games. Like we saw it here, the Heritage yeah, Classic, the um the Oilers. the Oilers as the the rig workers. Uh the Flames were cowboys. I don't know what they were. They did they looked like a bunch of village people. Uh yeah, I think they were just cowboys, but I I don't know. Like the, I I think there's a certain line to cross. Like if you guys yeah. want to do like a theme like but you're still dressing up normally like i think there's a couple years ago the uh, the bruins just went with like all the retro stuff you know the the jason greger hats the uh the, the the big tweed vests with jackets and things as opposed to like these kind of almost like costume mm-hmm. versions of it i'm not as big of a fan of it but i i get the point you're trying to get some eyes to it um for the purpose of social media promoting the game as it's getting ready to kick off and stuff so uh yeah i i if i had to pick a favorite of the two I would say Seattle's because I think the yeah. Elvis, the Elvis, oh, the Elvis getups to me like that is so gimmicky. Oh, I, I got, I'm way we're on opposite pages here, Duke. I thought the Elvises were just because they just kept coming and coming. There were, you know, there's so many of them. Uh, Canada now down two nothing to check a goal by Thomas Chabulka with uh, just over two minutes left in the first period. Oh boy, this uh, is going to be a big comeback. Should mention Matt Savoy from St. Albert is back in the lineup for Canada. Missed the uh, game against Germany. And also Jagger Fergus. Jagger Fergus was called up. Uh, so he would have had a tough time to get over there and just kind of as a emergency recall, I guess, if Savoy wasn't ready to go. Uh, but Savoy back in the lineup. They're going to need some offense from him here. In the next little bit, 50 seconds left, the last we saw in the uh, first period. 2 nothing. check over Canada. Coming up on the big program, Scott Burnside will join us after the break from Burnside on Hockey. Uh, it'll be interesting to get his take on what the World Juniors, how big they are in the United States. Uh, same thing with uh, Mark Spector on the mark at uh, 8 o'clock for Booster Juice. And then our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Frank Saravalli in the Daily Faceoff at 8.20. Uh, Jeff Baker returns to Sports 1440 from the Seattle Times at 9 o'clock. He would have been at the uh, big game yesterday in Seattle. Uh, Boy, oh boy, again, Joey Decord with a phenomenal performance. 35 saves. Seattle wins its fifth in a row over Vegas. Uh, And then Ian Harrison covers the Toronto Raptors. Raptors beat Cleveland uh, 124-121 yesterday. And... uh, Bam, after a big trade, they lost to Detroit, come back with a win over Cleveland. And then uh, Jordan Hall will uh, set up the uh, game of the day uh, for St. Albert Dodge at 10-20, talking about the Flyers and the Oilers. And, of course, the Duke and I will be addressing several items over the course of the morning, including what was probably maybe two of the best bowl games in the semifinals that we have might have seen since it started. Uh that's all. Coming up, more, that and more, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. <laughs> all right, welcome back to the big program. You can't get a better intro song than that for Scott Burnside from uh, Burnside on Hockey as we welcome Scott back into the program. Morning, Scott. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Sports 1440. What do you think of your uh, new intro music? Well, you know, I, I was hoping maybe for some pogues or, or some hips, but the, you know what? This, I, I can't feel too badly about the, you know, the burn, the burn side. I, I think that's, uh, 
whoever isn't responsible is at the top of their game early in 2024. So that's a good sign. That's the Duke, Brandon Douglas. He comes through with us, for us every time. Uh, when I think of disco, I think of Scott Burnside. That's what I think about. Right? Yeah, of course. Well, that's <laughs> you and thousands of others. So. Yeah, I could just see you, you know, watching Saturday Night Live with John Travolta the whole bit. Uh, how was your holiday? Uh, Happy New Year again. Uh, how was your holiday season, Scott? No, I've been, it's been great. I've uh, managed to take in a fair amount of hockey uh, uh, at all kinds of different levels. Whether you know, it's been some of the World Junior and uh, the, the the NHL leading up to the break, and of course, uh, the both the, uh, the the start of the professional women's hockey league yesterday, and then uh, the Winter Classic brought back some memories. I'm uh, I, I'm uh, I, I'm veteran enough to uh, recall. Uh, I wasn't at the first Heritage Classic at Edmonton, which, of course, is, is really the grandfather of all the outdoor games at the NHL level. But I was at the first Winter Classic and, and, and many of the, of the initial Winter Classic outings. But that first one mm-hmm. in Buffalo, Ralph Wilson Stadium in the snow and Sidney Crosby in the shootout, um, you know, I think really is, is sort of the bedrock of uh, all of the outdoor game um, memories and, and and again whether you think that the outdoor game you know you maybe you have outdoor game fatigue uh, to me and I watched that game uh, in Seattle yesterday and what a uh, to me it just looks so great it's so much fun even from afar to watch those kinds of events unfold and to understand um, how important they are to the community like I just thought I thought Seattle and the NHL did a great job yesterday and uh, pretty good hockey game and of course a great outcome for the Kraken but it's a 3 nothing win at home you know, I, I couldn't agree with all your sentiments. I was lucky enough, Scott, to cover the first one here. I was on the bench with the alumni game uh, on the Montreal Canadiens bench. Uh, I stood beside Bob Gainey for three hours. Gene Principe was on the Oilers bench. I just It was just a wonderful feeling. And that's 20 years ago. And, of course, they had the 20-year anniversary game here with Calgary. Last uh, Yesterday's game between Seattle and Vegas, Did could you compare that to uh, like another one that you saw over the past in, in the past? Last twenty years, or or not? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. And to me, uh, you know, I think maybe the one that that comes to mind for me, and 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 I think in general, part of the fatigue, you know, maybe if you go back five or six or seven years ago, and 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 people, I and I understood the logic of of rolling out Chicago and Detroit and Pittsburgh and and maybe even the Capitals. Uh, sort of over and over again. I understand the logic of that because you need a fan base that travels well. You can't can't have these events if you're going to have 20,000 people in a 50,000 uh, seat um, venue. You can't. The optics would be, it would kill you. So I understand that early on that you needed those uh, high profile, often original 16 in these events. Um, I thought yesterday was terrific because you have a Vegas team that in very short order has created a, a, a national and maybe even an international following and profile, of course, winning a Stanley Cup last year, going to a final in their first year in 18. Uh, so I thought, and again, Seattle, you know, only in their third year, but I think, again, that sort of arc of success is pretty high for the Kraken and Ownership is so strong. The fan base is so strong there. And I thought they earned the chance to to host a game like this. It reminded me a bit of, I was at the stadium series game 
um, a little over a year ago in Raleigh with uh, the Hurricanes hosting the Washington Capitals, um, sort of a natural rivalry there. They played each other in the playoffs, and, uh, and it, it was just a terrific event, and they had all kinds of events around it, college games after the, the NHL game, uh, you know, just all kinds of community events that really did speak to Raleigh's place as a, you know, as a burgeoning um, elite hockey market. And so to me, that was a little bit of what I saw yesterday. And, and again, I, I thought the optics um, were terrific. Uh, you know, the, the game itself was compelling, lots of chances at both ends. And, you know, Joey Decord coming up with a, a couple of unbelievable stops on Jack Eichel to preserve the shutout. So it reminded me of that a little bit. So, you know, maybe if you're a traditionalist, you're like, well, Seattle, Vegas, maybe maybe it doesn't appeal to you. But I think as a hockey enthusiast, I, 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 was, I thought it was compelling from beginning to end. You know, again, it's it's the atmosphere. It's um, you, if you just look at it like the teams, as you were saying, to get Chicago in there, to get the Boston's and all those teams, you have to look at it past that and you know pretend you're you know if you put different sweaters on these guys, you'd go, wow, this was an unbelievable game. Uh, you have to get past that it was you know Seattle or or something like that. But I totally agree with you, Scott, in the sense that uh, it just uh, it was a spectacle. It was great to see. It was it was fun to watch, and it's good for the game, and it grows the game, and that's the main thing. Scott Burnside, Burnside on Hockey, is our guest on Sports 1440. You did touch on the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League uh, dropping puck yesterday. Uh, what did you make of the first game of the PWHL? Oh my gosh! I mean, how much how much fun? And, and having been you know, sort of around the game for a long time, and you understand the struggles of, you know, how how does women's hockey fit into the sort of the pantheon of, of elite hockey around the world? How do you make a professional hockey league work? Um, we know the struggles of if you have competing leagues, uh, then, it, then, then it's impossible. That you do need something that is consolidated and, and something that is unified. And I know the struggles that have been involved with this. And I just, I thought the buildup to it has been tremendous. And of course, you're always wondering, well, once the product hits the ice, what's that going to be like? But to see people lined up outside um, uh, in Toronto and to see, you know, Billie Jean King come out with uh, Jaina Heffer to drop the first puck on the first game and to see the excitement. And, uh, and again, I think, you know, again, at the, at the grassroots level, of course, it's critically important for, for, for young girls and, and women who, who are interested in the game, either as players or as fans. But I think you pull the lens back it, and you mentioned it, you know, you talk about what's good for the game and the winner class and how does that fit in. I think the whole PH, PWHL is critical for the growth of the game at, at all kinds of levels. And again, youth hockey, whether that means more and more girls are getting into it, maybe it's it, maybe it, ha- it helps grow at regardless of the gender at, at the grassroots level. Um, and, and I think for fans who want to take in uh, elite hockey in whatever, you know, maybe it's in that marketplace in the, the, the six teams that make up the original original six mm-hmm. for the PWHL. Maybe it's on the, the broadcasting and watching that those games on television or streaming, whatever the case may be. I, again, I just think it's another piece to the hockey puzzle and how do you grow the game. Um, you know, I think the international hockey is still a big part of that, too. And, you know, whatever the NHL is going to do if they actually go back to the Olympics in 2026, 
uh, you know, what they make of, uh, of what is kind of a faux best on best uh, event a, a little over a year from now in, in early 2025. Uh, but I think the, the, the Women's Professional League is an important piece to that puzzle. Uh, and I, th- I don't imagine you could have imagined a better response to the first ever puck drop and the first ever game and, and the excitement around that. Uh, I don't know if you could have scripted it any better. Scott Burnside with us on Sports 1440. What about the identity angle, Scott? We were talking about it earlier this morning, the Duke and I, just with the logos and, you know, the team teams are, you know, they're wearing the same kind of jerseys except for the colors and stuff like that, and the logos are the same. And for us out here, we're, we're missing, I guess, the fact that we don't really have anyone to cheer for because, you know, there aren't a lot of Western Canadians that were drafted and there's not a lot of Western Canadians, you know, there are no teams out here, so are, are we missing it out here? How, how, how would you say that from a guy that's out east and looking at this in the sense of what Western Canada is and, and again, that identity for each team? I just assumed everyone out west would be cheering against the Toronto team. <laughs> I just thought that was a natural. Yeah. I assumed that would be a given. But, yeah. uh, no, it, you know, it's a fair question, and I think, uh, you know, to me, this is the challenge for the PWHL moving forward. Um, you know, to me, I, I think the the lack of a logo and the, the jersey part of it, I think you chalk that up to something that has come together very, very quickly. Uh, you know, again, I think that's something you can capitalize on down the road when you start to unveil, you know, individual logos and how they are designed and all the kinds of things that we see from the NHL and how you you market and capitalize on you know alternative jerseys, all those kinds of things. So I assume the PWHL will take advantage of those. You know when they when they address those kinds of issues, but um, and I think that you have to be so careful. It's I think you know parallels to the NHL when we talk about expansion and what is best for the game and what you know what does the game look like um, when you're trying to have a footprint that goes beyond uh, you know those sort of major you know, Eastern markets, whether it's in Canada or the United States. I assume that the plan will be to have teams in Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, as, as you move along and assuming that the game is embraced in a way that we saw yesterday, that those will be part of the plans moving forward. And, and I think the more success that the league has early on in those the first six markets, I think it, it, my guess is it will create a lot of excitement and anticipation in places like Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver. Who knows? Maybe there's a, you know, maybe it's Regina that gets a team. Maybe Winnipeg would, you know, be clamoring, I would think, to have a, a team in their marketplace. So I think that you have to be cautious, though, just like we said back in the day when maybe the NHL was guilty of overexpanding uh, too quickly. You want to make sure that the quality of the product on the ice is there. You want to make sure you have the infrastructure, and whether it's players, coaches, management, the support staff, all the infrastructure has to be in place because. Uh, you know, you don't want to make those mistakes of saying, well, let's, you know, we, you know, whether it's a year or two years from now, let's expand by four or six teams or two or four teams or whatever it is. And and there isn't the support, the infrastructure to support those kinds of moves. So uh, my guess is you want to be very careful about it. But I also think it's good for markets to immediately say, hey, what about us? Why Why can't we have that here? Um, and that will be an interesting part of how this league evolves and grows, um, you know, how cautious are you? How quickly do you move to go into other markets, especially Canadian markets, where you have to assume that the sport would be there? But I think there's a certain sort of caution about it. 
but I think it's good to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Hey, what about us? Scott Burnside with us on Sports 1440. You can check him out, Burnside on Hockey. Um, as you mentioned uh, off the top, you've been keeping an eye on the World uh, Junior Hockey Championship. Canada down 2 nothing to check after 20 minutes, uh, so the Canadians have a lot of work to do to move on. How much play does it get down there? How much do Americans follow the World Juniors, Scott? I think it's very specific, you know, sort of market to based on the market, and and I think it really has evolved to the part where, you know, my sense of it is you know, certainly following social media, and it's hard it's harder to watch in the states than it is in in Canada. That that's a you know simple kind of thing, and it's probably not surprising. I think it's disappointing that there isn't a way. Um, for hockey fans in, in in the states who, who don't have the NHL network to you know to be able to follow along, um, but I, there's such great coverage of it, and there's so many people who are doing such a great job covering the whole prospect end of hockey and that uh, you know pipeline from major junior and college and and the, the top European leagues with the young players who are drafted and, and being developed, and I think that's where the real interest is. You know, I say. I'm, I, you know, I, I follow. I've done some work for Carolina over the last few years, and I know that a lot of the discussion about the World Juniors isn't about necessarily. Well, how does Team USA look, or you know, who's what's the the actual competition on the ice? But it's really about well, what are what are the Canes prospects doing? Who's showing well here? Who's expected to, you know, maybe do more or less than what they're doing? And who makes uh, any of these uh, teams that turn up in the tournament? And I think that's probably where the interest is. You know, if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan, you're like your your focus may not be on Team USA, it just may be on um, the the players that are in the Flyer pipeline that are playing for other countries. And you and what you want to see, of course, is success there and te- and players that you can, you know, that you've been following as a fan of a specific team. How do they evolve? Because I think everyone understands it's a real showcase, fair or not. People, you know, we judge the performance of the World Juniors has a lot to do with how we judge how players are evolving and, and, and the, the, you know, the handful that haven't been drafted, you know, where do, where do they fit in potentially into teams' future plans? But I think that's how people follow it more um, in the U.S. than specifically. I'm not suggesting people in the U.S. don't care about Team USA. They do, but it's, uh, I think there's a lot more um, sort of fan interest in their specific prospects as they relate to their favorite team. Can you give our listeners, Scott, uh, on your uh, on Burnside on hockey uh, on Mark Andre Fleury? You just had uh, you know had some postings on what a wonderful career, still going strong, and uh, one of the top goaltenders to ever play in our game. Yeah, so again, I go back to you know when Mark Andre Fleury first came into the league, and I, I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. Of course, after the 0405 lockout and Sidney Crosby's arrival, and, and Fleury was such an important part of. Uh, of the evolution of that Penguins team, which you know people forget, but it, it wasn't just Sidney Crosby who helped to revive the fortunes of that franchise. It was a terrible. It was a terrible team. <laughs> That's how you get all those first and second overall picks. You're not very good. So people sort of forget that it, in some ways it was a forgotten franchise coming out of that 0405 lockout. And and you, of course, you had Sidney Crosby, you had Jordan Stahl there, Evgeny Malkin, and, and Mark Andre Fleury, first overall pick. And over the years, of, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough, I'd spend a fair amount of time with Mark Andre Fleury. And in fact, during training camp, I was in Minnesota doing some stuff for the Wild. And he and I sat down and we talked very candidly about whether this was going to be his final year. He's in the final year of his uh, current deal with the Minnesota Wild. Um, he is going to, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone will dispute that. He's, 
You know, is it going to pass Patrick Waugh in the next week or so? Likely, he's a thousand games. Only I think the third or fourth goaltender who's ever reached that plateau. Um, uh, and he, so he is going to the Hall of Fame. But he, his perspective and his joy at playing the game has never seemed to waver. I watched, and again, I was in Minnesota during the playoffs last year, and I watched his relationship with Philip Gustafson, the young goaltender who came in a trade with uh, with Ottawa and became statistically one of the best goaltenders in the league last year and really helped propel the Wild back into the playoffs. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury would love to play every game. And that's, that's his nature. But his mentorship has been critical to Philip Gustafson. And, and I think if you went around the NHL and the teams that he's played on, whether it's briefly in Chicago or Vegas or Pittsburgh, his teammates, I think, would universally describe him as one of their favorite people in the world and, and how important he was. And that has never changed. And so, you know, you want, you know, you, you're happy for, for when good things happen to good people. And, and, and I don't think there's, by any measuring stick, Marc-Andre Fleury is among the best ever. And that... You know, whether it's in goal and in what he's accomplished on the ice, but also as in terms of as an uh, ambassador for the game and as yeah. a teammate and as someone who, you know, connects so well with whatever community he's in. He's just, it's just a gem. So, yeah, I, selfishly, there aren't many better people to talk to in the business. So I hope he keeps playing for another five or six years. Well, wouldn't that be something? One last one on, on Fleury and for you, Scott. Do you think after he does finish his playing career that you know upper management some sort of a you know a, a position with a hockey team is calling is that kind of where you think he ends up yeah it's a good question I, I, honestly you know his family is still fairly young um my guess is you know maybe that's you know that becomes his focus and maybe he becomes you know sort of like uh I don't know, maybe like Hendrik Lundqvist, uh, where he, you know, eventually gets his toe into um, uh, analysis or broadcasting and things like that. Um, but my guess is that when he's done, he'll be pretty happy to spend a lot of time uh, with a still very young family. So, uh, um, yeah, my guess is that when he's done, you know, we might not see much of him for a little while, at least, uh, because I know uh, just how important his family, his children are to him. And, and, and again, you know, when he's talked about some of the moves he's made over the last four or five years, you know, going to Vegas and then um, Chicago and then the, ultimately coming to Minnesota, a lot of that is, you know, very difficult decisions to make based on what was best for his family. And so um, my guess is when it's time to, to, to hang them up, uh, family becomes the, the absolute first priority. And anything you're working on, Burnside on hockey, that our listeners should be aware of coming up in the next little bit, Scott? Just, I'm, I'm going to put, I, I must admit, I'm a little bit skeptical of whatever's going to happen in a year from now with this. Uh, I use my air quotes here the best on best. The, the NHL is, is planning with Team USA and Team Canada, Team Finland, Team Sweden. Um, I, I'm a, you know, it, it's. It's not best on best, really. So let's you know, let's get that clear. But um, I, I grudgingly, I'm really curious about how those rosters come together. And of course, the interest will be you know furious and fast and passionate and on what Team Canada looks like uh, and what Team USA looks like and what that competition might be like. Because you know, as made up as it will be, this it will be the first ever opportunity for players like Connor McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, and 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 really this new generation, they're not even young anymore, but this new generation of elite 
professional players, elite NHL stars and superstars have never had these kinds of opportunities. I think it's been a huge failing by the league and you know some of it's just circumstance, pandemic and all kinds of things. Uh, but some of it's just, you know, the league's basic intransigence in some ways on, on really embracing international hockey and, and best on best events. Um, and so this will be a real opportunity to, you know, to see you. Okay. What does, what does it look like when, when Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and, and all of their young team, for the most part, this will be very young teammates. Um, when they hit the ice against each other, what happens? And, and does it suggest a barometer if the NHL goes back to the Olympics in Italy in 2026? And again, no guarantees there. So um, I, I am looking forward to that, and I'm going to try and put together some shadow rosters on that. And uh, before you know it, we'll be hitting the midpoint of the season, so I'll be looking at maybe some projections and guessing who might be in line for NHL hardware. So. It's all all coming up. All busy, busy. Uh, hey, Scott, thanks so much for your time this morning uh, as we ring in 2024. Happy New Year to you and your family, uh, and take care. We'll talk soon. Great. Anytime. That's Scott Burnside. Burnside on Hockey. You can check it out on his website. Uh, covered the NHL for a long, long time. And again, when you hear his uh, stories with Marc-Andre Fleury going back to Pittsburgh, that he's fostered relationships with so many of these players, and that's how you get the good stories. You end up talking to these guys for years and years. The players end up trusting you, and you end up writing good stories just like Scott Burnside does. Uh, Canada has come back to make it a 2-1 game. Matthew Wood the goal scorer for Canada. So 2-1, Canada trails. Check with uh, about 13 minutes and change left in the uh, second period. We'll keep you up to date on that as the morning progresses. Working on our text line, one 833 Couple problems still. It's the new year, right? Maybe, it's, maybe the software didn't change in 2024, Duke, or something. I don't know. Skynet has come for us, and it's first target, the Sports 1440 40. text line. But I, uh, I just checked in with the boys next door, yeah. and I think uh, K97's text line is having a few issues as so well. So Skynet was what? That was from the Terminator? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we watched um, when I went and played for the Critters last month. Yeah. That was the uh, the movie of choice on the road trip was like Terminator 4, I think. Come on, really? Yeah, I'd never seen it before. Um, it had like the old version of Arnold and Sarah Connor. Yeah. And then some uh, some new characters. No slap shot? No. You're going to have to talk to Marty about that. <laughs> that, should, that be, yes. should that be the only film? That's required viewing. On repeat? Just one loop. Just keeps going on and on. The the uh, the hockey bus equivalent of Bubba Gump Shrimp that just plays Forrest Gump <laughs> on repeat on the TVs. We, uh, on a CFCW Critters bus, it's only slap shot. That's what I say. Uh, so still 2-1, check over Canada in the second period. We'll see how this game goes, Duke. But I might text Laddie, who's still in check. And maybe, who knows, he might make a special guest appearance. Is that possible for you to send him a quick link for him to hook up uh, in, like, you know, on a 15-minute notice or something like that? Oh, yeah, as long as he did not delete his uh, Chrome. Google Chrome oh, yeah. uh, browser download, then it shouldn't be a problem. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, World Junior. We'll get uh, some football to talk about. And uh, top of the hour, Mark Spector and Frank Saravalli uh, coming up on Sports 1440. It's the Kevin Carey Show. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. I might have been in uh, BA withdrawal over the holiday season. We only had, I guess, the Thursday show we had one one BA song 
And then on the Friday last week, did we have a BA Christmas song uh, at 740? Uh, yeah. Yeah, on the on the, uh, so, the 22nd we did. And it lasts for Thursday, Friday, our usual yeah. uh, usual spots. But I mean, I just, I feel like I've had the Brian Adams withdrawal. Understandably so. Yeah, I mean, why normally, wouldn't I? Normally you hear it five times a week. <laughs> And now you've only heard it thrice over the past, like, 10 days. So you're going to like this, Duke. I went home for Christmas, and we did discuss, you know, Christmas and things. And we'll talk about New Year's here, too. But I was flicking through uh, my mom's channels at her in her, at her home in Melville. And uh, on her recordings, like, she has, you know, what's, what's she's recorded or whatever. It was Brian Adams live at wherever... And she's getting ready to watch BA sometime at some concert that was she recorded on the cable package or whatever. Why wouldn't you? Well, and I, all I could think of was was the Duke and his his love affair with BA. That's all I could think about. So, what about New Year's Eve? So, you said you were uh, licking your wounds a little bit on New Year's Day at Ricky's yesterday, but New Year's Eve, did you? What, what was uh, what was the Duke and the big Sabolia and all the boys up to? Yes, the big Sabolia, uh, Dented Tatar, and in from uh, he Harry, was in, Harry eh? Hill, Mundare area. We, uh, we all <laughs> linked up in Fort Saskatchewan um, at the uh, friend's house where I used to live uh, when I first moved back to the capital region here. So we honestly didn't get up to do much. We went and uh, there was a new ODR built just across Ooh. the house yeah. from um, my my friend's place, but it the lights were not on. There's lights there, mm-hmm. but we don't know if maybe the person in charge of um, doing that like was assume nobody would be out or something anyway so we, we drove around fort and found another one so we went and kind of uh shot a few pucks around um a group of a group of buddy of us then we went back to the house you guys watched. probably take a case of beer out there we though, had a right? few yeah. we had a few okay. cold ones uh, to accompany us um went back to the house watched a combination of sunday night football and oilers ducks neither of which were particularly entertaining well, what was wrong with the Oilers I guess, game? I guess if you're an Oilers fan, it was yeah. entertaining. Uh, it was tough, tough for me to watch those. My uh, my Ducks got beat up on pretty good, and um, my uh, very bold choice of starting Jaron Hall in my super flex spot uh, on Sunday night. <laughs> Thankfully, that didn't really end up because he was terrible. He didn't even play most of the game, mm-hmm. uh, but that didn't. That is not what sunk me by any stretch. Um, and then uh, we ordered some Chinese food to, to get a nice, a uh, nice big spread, um, a nice big smorgas. And then uh, so, we just kind of hung around playing some cards and having some drinks, yeah. um, playing some um, Mario Party. I don't know if you're familiar with that on the... No. Uh, it's not the Wii anymore. It's a Nintendo Switch, I think it's called. So it's, yeah, just kind of like uh, some good camaraderie, small group of friends. Um, gone are the days of me hitting the town and, uh, you know, dancing around the bar scene waiting for mm-hmm. the ball to drop. Basically got to New Year's and then we're like, all right, we made it. Now we can go to bed whenever we want. We've come this far. It's very disappointing. Uh, I made it to 1030 Duke. <laughs> That's as far as I made it, and uh, but it's disappointing to watch that. What's on TV is just terrible. Like on New Year's, like Eve. the New Year's Eve programming. All the New Year's Eve programming is awful. I heard it really is. It's I, just abysmal. I don't know what network it's on because I don't watch any of that. Okay. Any of it, never have. Um, but like the one with uh, Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. So that was on CNN. Okay. I saw a tweet that somebody said that was kind of funny because John Mayer was like at some local cat cafe yeah. in New York or something. That's the only clip of it I saw, and people are saying that was kind of funny. But otherwise, yeah, I, like I don't know. I don't really understand the back back when I was younger. What I mm-hmm. loved on New Year's Eve was the TSN uh, countdown plays of the year, Fair. and and so that was it was and usually they had like a top 
I don't even remember how many, but the top 10, obviously, really what uh, what mattered, um, whether it was Dutchie hosting it or, mm-hmm. or Jen or whoever. All taped, yeah. All oh, oh taped. yeah, exactly. But it was, but it was great. It gave you some great flashbacks um, of the season seasons that had been uh, in all across all sports, the whole summer baseball, et cetera. So that's mm-hmm. what I used to like doing. But now, yeah, I'll watch whatever game's on TV. And then but other, there weren't other many one, games. Like, everything ended. Like, oh, the last oh. game was what, at 9 o'clock? Yeah. So so that I think that's kind of nice because then you can kind of, you're not, as us in this industry, not worried about missing something, I guess. So you mm-hmm. can kind of take the time to just take I, in the I, moment of whatever you are doing. I, I, I'm, I was trying to, I guess, get at, the, like, the stuff in New York City, Depending on where you're watching, and if you get Seattle cable or whatever, now then it's an hour off. And, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And everything, the one in Nashville, they had, you know, people playing, in, you know, on Broadway in Nashville. I didn't think that was that good. The people in, in L.A., they'd go bounce back between L.A. and New York. When I was working at Global, we used to do a, a show in Edmonton. Yeah. You know, down at Churchill. But it was a big undertaking. It was very hard to do, costly. But we had so many people talk about that because it was a, a, a big thing for people to watch on New Year's Eve because there's nothing to to kind of get into the new year, uh, to, to get into that spirit on New Year's Eve. So anyway, uh, when we come back, top of the hour, it'll be Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Monday. No longer on Thursdays, but Saturdays and Sundays. And you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.